Hey, this is Steve Balton. You are here at my turning point this week with our special guest, Mayor Hawthorne. Thanks so much for being here. So for you, what is that one moment that you look back on and think like, all right, this is kind of how I became Mayor Hawthorne? Uh, okay, so the one that just always comes to mind for me as far as Mayor Hawthorne is the, the red heart-shaped record in 2008. I only had ever written and recorded two songs. They weren't even like real songs. They were just demos. They didn't even have a bridge or anything. Um, I At the time, I was a, a hip-hop DJ working in clubs and producing, making rap beats. I don't know why I thought that was like a... For some reason at the time, I thought that was like a legitimate career path. Like you could even though like there were three people in the world that did that for a living. <laughs> um, I, but I thought I was going to be a rap producer. And I recorded these two songs in my bedroom, like just for kicks on the side. It was really like material that I thought I would use to sample myself royalty free to make rap beats because I was a thrifty Jew <laughs> trying not to pay for sample clearance. And um, I met a guy named Peanut Butter Wolf who ran Stone's Throw Records here in Los Angeles. And he convinced me to let him release those two demo songs. And I didn't have, I really didn't even have like a name for myself. So I used my, my porn star name, <laughs> which is, you know, like a, as a kid, you play the game where, like, you take your middle name. I don't know. There's a bunch of different variations, but I, I took, there are a lot I of, took yeah. my middle name, which is Mayor, mm -hmm. in the street that I grew up on in Detroit or in Ann Arbor, which is Hawthorne Road, and that's how I got Mayor Hawthorne. And and uh, I just assumed fully that we would release those two songs, and I would just carry on with my normal, you know, existence and. Uh, that record just kind of exploded. And that then I had to decide, like, wow, you know, do... Uh, well, then, then they asked me to do a whole, a whole album, and I had to really make a, a real-life career decision and accept that I was going to be Mayor Hawthorne from now on. <laughs> and I haven't looked back. There are a lot of directions to go in with that, but it's, I, I love the fact that it was the porn, because like you say, there are a lot of variations of the porn star name. So there are a lot of different yeah, things. It could are, be, yeah. you know, I, of course, now I'm drawing a blank on all of them, but Some I will say- Some of them are, yeah, people use their pet's first pet's name or- So that's just fucked up to use a pet's name for a porn star name, I think. I, I think, think it's a little sacrilege. I think, yeah, I don't know. Well, you yeah. know, your first pet, most of them are all dead, so that's like not a- that's but, not a fun there, one to use. There's one that uh, I saw recently, which is like your your last text that you sent is your campaign slogan for 2020. So what's the last <laughs> text you sent? The what last? is the, What is the Mayor Hawthorne campaign slogan for 2020? Uh, gosh. Uh, the last text I sent was, I'll be on tour so I won't even notice. Ha ha. 
That's actually a cool campaign yep. slogan. I kind of <laughs> like that, you know? That's pretty much my life. That basically, that's a very good, accurate summary of my life. But I like that as a campaign slogan as well. I think I'll people, be on tour, so I won't even notice. Yeah, I think because some people want, you know. 2019. They want, you know, like, um, you know, they want, they want politicians to be less involved. So, you know, people may go for that. Yeah, 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 sure. Right. You know? I'm in mayor for mayor in 2019. So would you run for mayor of LA or Detroit? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big neither. I don't have any interest in, in being mayor of either of these cities. As much as, as much as I love both of them. That's fair enough. Yeah. I figure, you know, leave the politics to uh, other people. But, you know, yeah, more and more musicians keep talking about it. So. Well, I think it's important to have a, a political view, but... Well, I agree I, with that. But the running for politics for musicians yeah, but is... I'm, yeah, Yeah, that, that doesn't sound fun to me at all. Very little about that sounds fun. Yeah. So, you know, you can focus instead on now. If I'm correct in this, you are, you are now, though, in addition to having the new song out, The Game... You also now have a label as well, correct? I do, yeah, big so, bucks. <laughs> so, so you can now focus instead on being, you know, a, a label entrepreneur versus a we, we, politician. Yeah, also something that I never really wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so fun. More and more artists do that, and it's funny. Like for example, you see artists who do a lot of curated festivals as well. Mm, you know, right, because yeah, it, yeah. it just makes sense for artists to take more control of their career at this sure, point. And yeah, it's yeah. funny. So you say you never wanted to do it. What made you decide to do it? And obviously, you know, you had the whole thing of, you know, starting off with Stone's Throw. Mm-hmm. You got to witness that shit firsthand. I did. Yeah. And, you know, even before that, I, I back before I even moved from Detroit, I was signed. My first record deal was with a label called Barack Records that was uh, the home of Slum Village in Jay Dilla or in in Detroit, and I got a a real. That was kind of my first big like um, peek under the hood of a record label and how it works. And and then you know yeah later on I signed to Universal and and I got to see a lot of you know different very you know versions of it and different different scales of record labels and. Yeah, Stone's Throw, and I don't know. Yeah, it just it it doesn't really the it doesn't appeal to me personally. <laughs> I mu- I would much rather be the guy that is in the studio making the music, you know. And I add the business side of it has always been the part that's annoying to me. At, but you know, yeah, here you are with a label. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's purely out of necessity, really. Okay. I wanted to take control of my own masters, which is something that I wish I would have done a long time ago. But uh, before the, Scooter brought by some at the same yeah right <laughs> yeah. Scooter, if you want to make an offer, <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's something I wish I would have done a long time ago. But at the same time, I don't really have any regrets about the way that you know my career has gone so far. I'm I'm so stoked to be still sitting here talking to you. And being able to, when I go through customs, say write down, you know, when they ask what your profession is, that it's musician. Well, you know, it's funny because I think it's also one of those things too that for everybody, obviously, you learn in different paces. Mm. You know, and it's it's funny you go back to, look, I, I mean, 
you know, there was, it's funny, I just made a joke about this, the Scooter Braun thing and there's the whole Scooter Taylor thing. And but you go back to the blues musicians back in the day, like the guys in like the 40s and the 50s, dude, they just got so fucked. They were so, you know, they had nothing. <laughs> yeah. and, were so, and what happened, of course, is through time, you learn, but it's still something that, you know, it's an interesting thing that exists today for musicians to make sure they don't get so sidetracked to the business that you stop thinking about the music because what happened was musicians by nature, and especially as the industry changed so much, you kind of had to learn almost too much about it. Yeah, it's, it's a really difficult thing. Um, yeah, obviously musicians throughout history have been getting completely screwed and out of, you know, it's conned into signing the worst deals ever. It, it's such a, it's such a tricky thing. I mean, and I don't know that there is really like a right answer to that situation. I've, I've thought more about it than you know most people on earth. So it's like, it's still at this point, I just don't even really know. I'm just thankful. I'm very thankful at this stage of my career that I have a base of supporters that I know that if I release something they're going to be there for me and that I don't need to need to rely on a label and an outside label to, to get to them. And, you know, the, um, the advent of social media and all the new modern ways to connect with your fans directly has really, you know, leveled the playing field on that as well. And, and things like streaming and, I mean, there's just, it's it's changed so much and it's still the music industry is changing by the second every day i mean there's a new development every day we you know i'm just talking to my manager jackson about what just cr what crazy change just happened this week and that we have to totally pivot and and figure out how to how to work that angle now well, in the 15 minutes we've been talking already, there's probably no more yeah, music industry. No, no, you know? yeah. when, when it's probably I'm, gone. When we get out of this interview, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be, there's gonna be it, a new new development. Well, it's but you know because it's it's having the label. You know, I think it changes things. You know, and and it's cool. Like for example, I have a lot of friends, musician friends, who are interested in you know a wide variety of things, as all musicians are, right? Mm. And so what's interesting, I talk with them about whether it's Brandon Boyd, who's a painter, or ASAP Rocky, who works in fashion, or doing business stuff. It it. it makes you think differently, which then all ties into the music. Mm -hmm. So let's take this to the music because that's always the most important thing. So sure. for you being in this place now where you have this other sort of, you know, in a way creative outlet, but also now knowing that you are in a sense your own boss mm -hmm. with this and the masters are your, you know, I mean, how exciting is that for you musically and, and like to put out the game and put out that first song and, and be in this new place after so many years because it still creates a new challenge. It's terrifying and liberating all at once. Um, yeah, it's it's all it's scary. It's always scary. I mean, going going alone is scary. Um, but it's yeah, scary has always been good for me. You know, even in the, on my my tour that I'm rehearsing for right now, I'm I'm forcing myself to play instruments that I've never played live before. Because I need that fear that I'm gonna fail to push me to be better, you know. That's so you, they'll be doing some polkas on this tour. 
yeah, we're gonna be we're pulling out all all kinds a little of bit new of accordion, tricks. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be playing the triangle. <laughs> Never played that on stage. More cowbell, yeah. Um, but it, it is funny because I go back to and and it's interesting that you use the word terrifying. I was lucky enough to interview BB King uh, in his seventies, right? And we we're talking. He had just taken up clarinet at the time, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the fact. And I always remember this quote, and I asked him, you know, why it was that he was saying. He's like, because if you don't learn something every day then it's a waste of day. So yeah, just thinking yeah. we're terrified, but it's also exciting to be in that place where it's like you're forcing yourself, not forcing yourself is the wrong term, but you're just learning. Because I imagine that keeps things also fresh and exciting for you because you can go up and do a certain thing and it's like, dude, I know I can do that. I've done that already. Yeah, be, being your own boss, you just, I don't know. It's important for me to keep the my my own foot on my neck it's like it's weird i i have to like just because uh, otherwise i'll get lazy i i need to keep pushing myself you know because you don't have somebody else you know besides besides my management team but you know you don't if you're if you're your own label boss you don't have the label like pushing you so you have to it's a, it's 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 tough sometimes it's hard to it's hard to stay motivated and and keep pushing yourself to to achieve new levels of and especially as you get older and and more set in your ways <laughs> it's, it's it gets harder and harder so free what what are the new things that you're breaking out for this tour right now i i mean you know give us give us a little preview without giving too much away you know cuz i obviously joked about stuff but you know if people want to hear for real for real we're adding a lot more choreography to the set this time this is for the tuxedo tour that i'm that i'm rehearsing for right now that we're getting ready for and i'm also playing a lot of live bass on the on the tour and playing playing live bass and singing lead and hitting the choreography all together is the triple <laughs> threat man then and uh, it's it's not as easy as as some people make it look. <laughs> that's interesting because I'm I trying ever- to get to the point where I make it look easy. <laughs> I was gonna say it's funny because I was just I saw Anderson Pocket the form a couple weeks ago. Yeah, right? he's a he's a beast. Dude, he was amazing. But it's funny because we uh, that led to a conversation about you know drummers who are also lead singers. Mm-hmm. There have been obviously a, f- a famous few Grohl, mm-hmm. you know, Collins. Phil Collins, Don mm-hmm. Henley. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. I can't think of that many lead singers who play bass. Yeah, um, Getty Lee, I guess, but yeah, Getty Lee, Philip Linet from from Thin Lizzy. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Rick James. Okay. Ooh, a really big one. Rick James is killer. Yeah. Okay, Rick James probably was the only one of those though who actually had some choreography. He might have been. I, I can't see Phil Linet doing corner, uh, no, choreography. No, there you know? was no choreography in rock and roll, man. Yeah. Yeah. Was, so that's so that's interesting. Uh, Rick know. James is a great one. How intricate is the choreography getting? Not very. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not good dancers, so we try to keep it to an absolute minimum, so that you know, just enough to where it looks like we're doing something. <laughs> well, one of the things that's actually you know interesting though is is look as an artist, right? So it's been three years since your last solo material, mm-hmm. and you know, again, we talked about the fact that you know now you have the label thing. But you're also bringing in these new things like playing bass, you know, new things mm-hmm. to keep it fresh and exciting for mm-hmm. you. And what happens a lot of times is that reinvigorates the old material. It makes it more interesting. Also, what happens is you go through lots of personal changes. So uh, as you get ready for the Tuxedo Tour, are there older songs that you hadn't really played in a while or that you haven't thought about that, you know, really start to come back to life for you? Definitely. And and sorry to steer it away from the 
tour for a second, but the, the thing that I've really been noticing is every time I release some new material, the the old material, people are, uh, you know, everyone else is reminded of the older stuff, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. Hey, I, I really liked <laughs> that song he did 10 years ago, you know, and and it's in some ways it's so nice to to get that little bump um and in some ways it's really frustrating because it seems like you can never beat your old material <laughs> but that's something i'm always always trying to do i'm like damn did i t- i'm looking at my my top 5 most streamed songs right now and i'm like can i can i knock the top one out with with something new what is the top one right now and the top one has always been the walk. I feel like though I was looking this morning, I want to say the game was number two. I think the game is currently number two, which is exciting for me <laughs> because that really means that it's working. You know, it's it's um, yeah. And, and at the same time, I'm so thankful that I have a song <laughs> like the walk that that I can always be trying to beat. You know, that that's important too. So what happens if you beat that song? I mean, then then you know, then the pressure just reverts to now. You next song you have yeah, to beat the gotta, game. Then yeah, I gotta try to beat it again, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's that's the dream. I mean, for you, how satisfying is it to to know that people you know? Because I mean, that is a really cool thing because it also shows that there's interest that goes just simply beyond like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, this is a cool song, and that's it. So people hear the game and they're like, oh, dude, I should check out some of this other shit. Yeah, that's that's one of the, that's another amazing thing about the streaming thing too is that people can really go down that rabbit hole a lot easier with who, your with your whole catalog who was the last artist you went down the rabbit hole with it's been isaac hayes recently the last few days i've just been going back and listening you know th- oh, man i've been doing that with so many artists recently um god who else um who did i who else did i just do that with um i mean i did it with chic a lot when we were Working on the new tuxedo record. Um, Did you work with Niall, or I've never worked with Niall. I've met him a few times, but I've never gotten a, gotten a chance to work with him. I'd love that. He's he's so impressive as a player and a writer and producer. I mean, just good dude know. too. I just interviewed him again last yeah, week. Yeah, and a real sweet sweetheart of a man. Yeah. All right, so it's funny when you go through the rabbit hole and, and find that you know because it's you know for both of those artists, of course they have the their their version of the walk. For Isaac Hayes, of course, it's going to be the theme from Shaft, and for Sheik, it's yeah. the freak. So what 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 were the the sort of hidden gems for you in each catalog? Uh, wow, um, Sheik. So I st- really started going deep into the Sheik production catalog because. Uh, Bernard Edwards, the Sheik bass player, and and Niles kind of co collaborator with everything. Besides being my favorite bass player of all time, um, I mean those guys just were s- such incredible producers. Oh yeah, um, and the stuff they did for Diana Ross and for um, Carly Simon um, that was a that was a crazy one that I just has seemed like it has had like a a wild resurgence lately. People rediscovered that why Carly Simon's why, yeah. and a lot of people don't even know. Most people don't even know that that's that's chic. I know? didn't know that. Yeah, and I've yeah. interviewed Carly and Niall. Yeah, but yeah, because it's just not a pairing you would think of. It's not an obvious pairing, but then so, not then now that you know it, 
you it makes so much sense. It's like a real aha moment, and you just you're like, oh my god, yeah, it's just a, it's a chic song with Carly Simon singing. So before we come to the Isaac Hayes hidden gem, obvious question, you know, and going back to your your early days as a wanted to be rap producer, mm-hmm. who would be the unlikely artist that you would want to produce? Your your Carly Simon to you know Nile Rodgers, yeah. Oh Rihanna. Okay. <laughs> 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 I would love to do a song with Rihanna. I like that. You didn't even really have to think about it. Yeah, she's been on the top of my list for a while. What kind of song would you do with her? Not to give away too much, but what would the song? Because that's one thing, man, too. She can do whether it's reggae, yeah, whether it's pop. Yeah, she's you know? very versatile. I think she's she's her growth is what's really impressive to me. I think she has become a such a such a dynamic and charismatic and just exciting artist and just watching her her growth over the course of her it hasn't even been that long you know yeah it's it's been it's been really cool i think she's just become such a great artist i think it's exciting to look at how other musicians do things Mm -hmm. you know and and sort of yeah there's no formula man it's there's no rules there's no formula but what I was going to say, it's true, there's nothing, but it's inspiring creatively to see how other people grow. So when you look at then mm. what other people do, and especially I ask this a lot because the thing is people will say like, oh, okay, who are your influences? But mm. everybody starts, you have your influences when you start off. I'm interested in, when you look at how people grow over their career, who really stands out to you? When you look at someone, whether it's a Nile Rodgers who you know just started DJing again after, or Giorgio Moroder just started DJing. Or Maroder, we did a, we did a DJ gig with Moroder not that long ago. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I love him. You know, but this or whether cool. it's a Tom Waits or a Nine Inch Nails or there's people who just constantly change musically. Who who are those people you admire for the way that they've been able to grow? And when you look at where you want Mayor Hawthorne to be in ten years, I mean Pharrell is the obvious one that comes to mind for me. Uh, he's the one that I always mention as like my kind of savior of modern music he just has never i don't know he's always just done him and he he never reaches too far where it feels like he's trying for hits he just makes stuff that he thinks is dope and he's had crazy drought periods and crazy successful periods and he's still around doing you know making just as good music as he always has that's cool though because think about the fact too of like you know being a kid Mm -hmm. and going to the record store because there were certain records like the day they came out you had to buy them yeah did you ever have that experience like what were those ones for you of course yeah yeah we used to line up outside of warehouse records for the midnight sale to buy wu-tang forever and all that yeah i mean that was it was mostly 90s rap back then okay that was like well the reason i asked specifically is is, it's cool when you still get that feeling of being a fan so you must be so sucked i was just seeing a quote from pharrell the other day about how people were not ready for the new rihanna music so with pharrell working for (laughs) rihanna will you be it well it's funny because it's like you don't really go to the store anymore i guess you just download the shit at midnight yeah (laughs) but you still have that feeling of like not being able to wait to hear something you still get to hear it for the first time yeah yeah and uh, and yeah, and sit with it, and yeah, analyze it. Right? I mean, I listen to things, for better or for worse. You know, I I listen to things in such a different way than most people do. You know, when a, when I hear a song, it's, it's, it sucks sometimes. That <laughs> I'm I feel like I'm not able to just like listen to a song and enjoy it for what it is. I'm I'm picking apart the 
every little nuance of the production and the and you know oh I would have voiced that chord differently you know it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's annoying honestly like I wish oh, I yeah, could, yeah. I wish I could turn that part of my brain off but you can't I totally get it like for me when I go to shows for example it's hard to not review the show in my head oh yeah without it's, a doubt of so course, by of course. Course, what's Every so often, though, you see those shows that are so special. Mm-hmm. You just like they take you out of your head. Like mm-hmm. you just are. All right. So, what was the last song or show for you that was just like, okay, you can just enjoy it as a fan because it's so special. Ooh, that might take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, man, yeah, that's tough. I haven't gotten to go to a lot of concerts recently. Or was the last song that, that you had that feeling of just like? The one that comes to mind is this song from this group called Men I Trust, called Numb. That was the last song that I really heard where I was just like, wow, man, this is a, this is, yeah, I just, I didn't, I was like, they, they just, they did it perfect. Like, they did it exactly how I would have done it if I, <laughs> it's like, I, I could not have done this any better myself. <laughs> And I and I was like, oh, I'm just excited just to listen to that because they just nailed it. Nice. What kind of music? I hadn't even heard of them. It's like I don't know, bedroom soul kind of. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to check it out. Bedroom, I'm excited to hear bedroom it. pop. I don't know what. Would, yeah. I hate kind of using that term because I feel like that demeans the music a little bit. But but for you, that's it, like I, don't know, I just hate genres in general. Yeah. There's no way around it. Yeah. But for you then. It's so like going back to the feeling of being a fan and listening to music. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about this with artists all the time, and it's it's sometimes impossible for them to wrap their head around. But to think about the fact of like, you know, there are those records that you would go buy in the '90s that you would line up to buy, and now, mm-hmm. like you say, there is that fan base that's there no matter what you do. So it's like there are those fans who are like, "All right, dude, I've been waiting for the game to come out," and who are streaming that shit at midnight. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that, you know? Does it almost become impossible to comprehend that you know people listen to your music the same way that you used to listen to music? Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever really <laughs> be able to wrap my brain around that. It's such a weird thing for me. It's still so weird to me, like you just waking up every day in the morning and knowing that, like, what do I have to do today? Make music. Like, even that just never get. I never will get used to that. I don't think. I think I'm just every day. I'm just always kind of expecting that the whole thing's gonna go away, <laughs> and that is kind of a big reason why I'm still here, I guess. Yeah, no, it's funny that, and like I said, I'm not surprised that you couldn't wrap your head. I, I go back to an interview I got to do years ago with Don Henley, right? We were talking about the fact of like the Eagles. You know, he was a small town kid growing up in Texas, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the fact of then the Eagles have you know two of the three biggest selling records of all time. Right. He's yeah. just like, I never think about that. He's like, if I actually started to think about that, he's like, that's yeah, where my go, head would explode. You'd explode, right? Yeah. He's like, and that's also when you start to think about though. That's also when things get to your head. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you put you just put unnecessary pressure on yourself. Yeah, and then nothing ever goes right when you <laughs> do that. So for you, it just gets to still be fun, and you don't think about it. So it's like, but the response to the game has obviously been it's number two. It's not number one yet of the yeah, most streamed, yeah, right. you know. Yeah, but it's it's getting. I mean, even number two is exciting <laughs> to me, you know. If it, if it push just ain't gonna work out down to number three, I'm like, that's a win for me. That's a big win for me. So when does the tour start? Tour starts Saturday. <laughs> yeah, in a couple days. So as a choreography coming. The, I don't know when this is dr- coming out, but okay, when this will, when this interview will air. But um, yeah, soon, very very soon <laughs> this weekend. 
<laughs> nice. And what's what's the rest of the record come out? What's the timeline for that? The album comes out Friday, right? Yeah. Okay. July nineteenth, Tuxedo Three. Woo woo. Still so, working. It's funny because I asked you about the the old stuff you're excited to play live. I mean, let's take it to the new stuff. And I mean, yeah, you the, know, new, the new stuff is what we're excited to play live, of course, because you know we're sick of the old stuff, but because we just played it so many times. That's it's also like <laughs> part of part of the challenge of the new putting a new set together is figuring out a way to make the old material exciting for you, for for us. But also, and also for the fans. Right. I mean, because they, you know, when I go to see a show, I want to see the song that I like, you know, and I want to hear it the way that it is on the record. That's just me personally. I mean, I don't want to hear some weird remix of the song or hear somebody do it at a totally different tempo or, you know, I want to hear the song that I love and I want to hear it the way that it, that it, that I'm used to hearing it. And, so that's always like the challenge for us is figuring out ways to keep it fun for us and where we're still giving people what they want. I'm not I'm not uh, arrogant enough to think that I can just do whatever I want on stage and people are still going to come and see you know buy a ticket <laughs> next time. Like you know, we, you got to give the people what they want, what they're coming to see. Yeah, but playing devil's advocate, the other thing too is if the band gets bored on stage. Yeah, for sure. Then then it's, yeah, you know. We have to be that number one uh, out of everything. Number one is we have to be having fun on stage. Because if we are not having fun, ain't nobody having fun in the whole place. No, I've seen shows where the band is not having fun. It's not fun. No, it is is painful to watch. Yeah. (laughs) So, of the new material, you know, jump ahead a year when you've had a chance to, to really. Get used to it. You're, we're, we're now April 2020. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're playing fucking Coachella. Well, it's July now, but whatever the fuck month it is, I have no yeah, idea. Yeah. You know, when, sure. what, you know, whatever festival you're doing next July. Uh-huh. What are the what are the songs off Tuxedo Three that you feel like? Yeah, you because know, the other thing that's interesting too is, you know, what happens is audiences make the songs their own. The second they come out, you may have a favorite song on the record. Oh, you may yeah, think no, you're right, they, and they're just like they yeah. decide. Yeah, yeah. You so, don't have any say in the matter at all. Which is actually kind of exciting because then what happens is you get to hear how they interpret it. So what are the songs that you are really curious to see how an audience takes to them? Because like I said, you just have no way of knowing. You, you don't. You, have, you, you think you have an idea a lot of the times and you're just proven wrong every time. I mean, you never know what, what people are going to react to or respond to or I mean, embrace. It's just, it's so crazy how... And anybody that tells you that they know is full of shit. Well, that's like, the thing is like, nobody you know, knows. The game could be that song that's number two on the streaming list mm-hmm. and track 12 on the record that you were just like, eh, I don't even know if I like this one. That's a song that in yeah. a year from now is number one yep. on the streaming list. So, but that's, what are those songs that's that for how you? It happened kind of with Tuxedo at first. Okay. You know, this, our song, Do It, that is, you know, that's our biggest song ever for sure the the thing that's keeping the train moving <laughs> that song initially was not the one that broke out it was another song and then over time that one just kind of eclipsed it and kept going and it's just it's very it's very strange and the public is very fickle and it, there's so many factors that go into whether a song is going to go or not you just can never predict it yeah, but we started doing actually for this for these new releases now that we've got our own label situation now we're, we're going back to the Motown 
style um, the where we've been doing these like kind of boardroom style um, votes. You know, I don't know what do you would. Yeah, like a poll. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll we'll get twenty people in a room and play the songs. It's this is how Barry Gordy used to do it at Motown, and you know everybody we will play a song and be like, "Is this one a hit?" And raise your hand if you think this one is a hit. <laughs> I mean, it's really it, that's the best way. Still, you know, fifty, sixty years later, or whatever, that's a, still the best way that we've found to predict anything. But I like that, and I think it's cool. It's like when you have a song like Do It Then that goes through that. Like, it's funny. I just had Derek Wibley from Sum 41 on the show, and we were talking about this, right? He was saying that of all the songs that have connected with audiences over the years, there's a song called With Me. He's like, I didn't even like the fucking song at first, but everybody else liked the song. Yeah. He's like, a year later, it like hit top 10 on iTunes. He's like, and then when someone actually played it at their wedding, he's like, that forced me to rearrange the mm-hmm. song. He's like, then I finally came up with a version I liked. So when this happens for you, when audiences you know, take a song, make it their own, does it change the way that you hear a song? Can you start to hear it through their ears a little bit? Uh, it's, yeah, I, I guess. Those, it's maybe not that you don't like the song, but it's like you start to, when people feel so strongly about a song, yeah. then you can kind of feel like, okay, I see what it is that they're connecting with so deeply. I try to make sure that uh, anything, any song that I am going to release into the world, because once you release it into the world, it is no longer yours. I try to make sure that, you know, I say to myself, if I have to perform this song every night on stage, is am I going to be cool with that? And that's a that's a real, it's a high bar, and it's a you know it's a thing where like if it if it doesn't pass that test, <laughs> it's pr- it's not coming out. So anything that I release, you know, if the people decide that that's the song, I'm I'm going to be happy to play it for them on stage every night. Cool. All right, we're gonna do, we're gonna wrap up in one second. I gotta see one thing now. This is important to me to to wrap this up properly. Okay. <laughs> what are we doing? Here? The suspense. I feel like there should be some dramatic music. Adam will plug that in. All right, now. Nice. Production value. Because as we talked about, there are multiple ways to find this. So I, I want to see what variations there could have been on your porn star name. Ah, okay. Oh, what, what, you know? I mean, because again, Where when a random games? thing, you know? All right. And of course, then you try and look this shit up online. What kind of horrible name I could have ended up yeah. with, Vax? Wait, here's a good one from BuzzFeed. What's your Disney porn star name? Okay, how do you how do you do that one? All right, how let's you calculate that. Uh, dude, fuck this. This is all too complicated. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was an idea, but it just didn't. You know, there's the downside of the internet is there's just too much shit there. Well, what's your middle name? Uh, my middle name I'll never say. <laughs> so oh, it doesn't man. matter. And what? I also don't remember. I grew up on multiple places in the valley, uh-huh. so it wouldn't be a good one either. Why not? Because it uh, the street I grew up on was Etiwanda. That sounds fine. Not to very me. porn starry. Sounds sexy to me. I'm not feeling that. Sounds that. exotic. 
<laughs> it's not very porn star, you know? I mean, it is interesting, though, because you often wonder how people pick their stage name, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, there, there's also ones in here, like, for what's your gangsta name? Yeah. I, I try not to dive down those <laughs> too deep. So, it is funny, though, because it was what you were saying, the turning point moment was 2008, right? 2008, it, yeah. It is interesting, as we wrap up, the fact that, you know, you, you still don't seem to be, uh, you still seem to have that sort of, uh, what's the word, sense of wonderment that there is a Mayor Hawthorne. What do you mean? Like that sense, like, like you were saying, you're like, I still think it could go away every day, you know? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of the music business, you know? It's such a, it's such a crazy thing. And so, so few people get to do it. But one thing that is cool is that I think what happens is, you know, there are those moments in your career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's amazing to me is that, you know, I've talked to so many people about it and everyone would think from the outside, it's like, okay, your first Grammy, your first, you know, sold out show, your first late night TV appearance, you know, the first time that, you know, you meet someone from the fucking Beatles or Led Zeppelin, whatever, right? That would be like that turning point or like the career defining moment. Mm-hmm. Most people will say when asked the moment that they first knew they made it, the answer more than anything that I find, so I'm curious what yours would be in those moments where you knew it, was people say it's when they first heard an audience singing back their songs to them. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. You know, so what were those moments for you where you, maybe you still, like you say, it could go away, but you still are like, all right, <laughs> the, you know. The moment for me, this is, this is going to sound so silly, but the moment for me was uh, there's, a, there's a local chili dog a chili hot dog restaurant in downtown Detroit called Lafayette Coney Island. And they put my picture up on the wall at Lafayette. And that was like, I made it moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> but have they named a dog after you yet? They have not named it. No, they don't name them after anybody though. So okay. What, what would be on the mayor? What would be on the mayor them. Hawthorne chili dog? Uh, Cause you know, you have like pinks where they have all these, like the Chicago and all these yeah, variations. The classic Detroit Coney dog. We call them Coney dogs in Detroit. Mm-hmm. The classic Detroit Coney dog is chili mustard and onions. But I, mustard is the one food on earth that I despise that I just won't eat for some reason. I just really don't like mustard. So mine is just chili and onions. <laughs> I know that's blasphemous for a lot of people in, in Detroit. Uh, but hey, wait, so who else is on the wall at Lafayette? <sighs> God, I don't even know now. Amir Makeupson, probably like a bunch of local Detroit newscasters. A lot of Detroit Red Wings and like a lot of athletes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there are any. I was just trying to think. I would. You'd think yeah. there would be a lot of Motown musicians up there, but I don't think they are. I think it's mostly like Red Wings and. Detroit Tigers baseball players and, <laughs> and local local newscasters and weathermen, <laughs> weather people. So wait, so you made it on the wall before like Smokey and Eminem and all those people? Yeah, I don't know. It's a very <laughs> it's a very strange. I don't know how they're how they're deciding who, you know who makes the cut for the wall of Lafayette. <laughs> Maybe who knows? Maybe they don't even know who I am, and they just put my picture up because I ate enough hot dogs there. I was going to say, I mean, did, did they have like a challenge where, you know, if you can eat like 18 chili dogs in one sitting you get <laughs> on do, the wall? They do have one of those. I think the guy, the last guy that broke the record ate like 43 of them or some insane amount, some Kobayashi number. 
What's the most chili dogs you ever ate in one sitting? <sighs> nah, I, don't, I don't think I've ever done more than two or three. All right, <laughs> 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 uh, last real question. You would, you would be hurting. <laughs> more than two, more than yeah, yeah, more than two sounds more painful. More than two sounds awful to me at this point in my life, yeah. All right, but since we're talking Detroit, I got to ask, the greatest Detroit song of all time. Because I've been asking people about the greatest California song because, you know, I talked to so many people from here, you know, but that, that I mean... Oh I know it's a God. fucking hard question. These are though, yeah, these are tough, tough questions. I just feel like whatever I say is going to be wrong. Uh, the greatest Detroit. Well, song there's no of right or time. wrong, but you know, I'm trying to think of a real curveball that nobody else would say that. Um, I'm gonna go with Jay Dilla, "Shake It Down." Nice. <laughs> and I got, I got, just got a nod of approval from my manager, so maybe that was the right answer. Cool. What do you want to add that we did not talk about? I, I, the only thing I was going to add was um, going back to the turning point thing in 2008. It really was also it just it just happened to coincide with the dawn of Twitter, which I think was an enormous catalyst in in creating you know a my musical career um it was a it was really just like the dawn of social media where people big celebrities um were getting on there for the first time and they all of a sudden had this like direct outlet to people and they were so excited just to have that that they were not thinking at all about what they were saying and 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 what kind of consequences that would have. And when my first single dropped, um, you know, a, a bunch of huge celebrities came and tweeted about it. You know, Kanye West, I remember, posted it on his blog, which was huge at the time. Everything was about blogs, it's, mm -hmm. you know, which is so funny to think about now you know 10 years later uh but it really was it, it was blog blog culture was everything and kanye posted my single on his blog and that was huge and then people like john mayer and justin timberlake and alicia keys and snoop dogg and all these big celebrities all tweeted about it which they would never do now because everybody would be like oh, I'm only tweeting about this guy if I already signed him to my label <laughs> so I can capitalize on that, you know, that. But it was like, it was just the Wild West. So, and I really greatly benefited from that. So what was the most unlikely one that you got? That one person that you were just like, I can't believe they know who the, I am. Um, Deepak Chopra, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Deepak Chopra was a big one where I was like, wow, okay, I'll take it, cool. Yeah, that's not the answer I would have ever expected, yeah. you know? I, I mean... <laughs> I don't know, who else? there were so many crazy ones at the time. No, I'm trying to think, I don't know, man. It, it, it was really fun, though. How many of them did you get to ask later on about, like, do, or thank them, or just be like, oh, what made you tweet about it, or, or thanks, or whatever, you a know? A few, actually. John Mayer had me, he asked me to open for him for a couple dates, and then Snoop Dogg, actually, I, we ended up doing a lot of music together over the years, and he's he's still somebody I really actually, like, count as a friend. Kanye, too, yeah. Kanye I got to meet and talk about with, and yeah. 
There's been a there's been kind of a lot. But you never got to ask Deepak Chopra what he liked about the song. I don't think I ever. I don't think I've ever met Deepak in person. <laughs> I would love to chat with him. Well, I don't think that we can top that. So on that note, <laughs> all right, Gold it. Thanks so oh, much for being here, man. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You have been here on My Turning Point with special guest Mayor Hawthorne. Thanks so much for joining us this week. See you again soon. your movement and automatically adjust to help keep you both comfortable. Plus, it's temperature balancing so you stay cool. It's even smart enough to know exactly how long, how well, and when you slept and to help you get almost 30 minutes more restful sleep per night. Sleep Number takes care of the science. All you have to do is sleep. And now, during our Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed Queen now only $19.99, only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.